Chapter 4, Bloodstream Hermione was elated. With a wand in her hands, her perspective had changed dramatically. All things were suddenly possible. She could still complete her mission. She could succeed. She had checked out of the inn in Nocturne earlier that day and was now headed towards Diagonale, where she could rent a nicer room near the shops that were of a less dangerous variety. Though she was sorely tempted to go into Borgen and Burke's right away, she would not let her curiosity get the better of her. She was not the same girl who acted with little to no plan. She was no longer a teenager hiding under a cloak with two reckless boys spying on a schoolmate. Hermione Granger was a woman, an unspeakable, and from this moment on, she was a smith. Smiling to herself, Hermione entered a cozy-looking inn next to the ice cream parlor. She checked into a room, the cost easily covered by the galleons Draco Malfoy had, thankfully, forced her to take. That was another obstacle she would have to overcome, Hermione thought as she pocketed the bag of gold again, heading towards her new, temporary home. She had a significant amount of gold, but it was not endless. Hermione set that concern aside. There was a far more pressing matter that weighed on her mind, one that needed to come before worries about gold, false identities, or even the fate of Tom Riddle. She closed and locked the door to her room behind her, much more pleased with these living accommodations than her previous ones. The bed was larger, and there was even a desk and a small pantry to store food. It felt homey, comfortable. Hermione shrugged off her coat before pulling her newly acquired scarf from her neck. She took a deep breath and entered the bathroom, wand in hand. The scar was dazzling. Was it just her paranoia, or had it grown? Hermione's heart fluttered, her fingers lightly tracing the mysterious golden lines. They were perfect spirals, all extended from the very spot where Merope had struck her. Too perfect. They made her think of the golden ratio, in fact, mathematical in their precision. The thought made her laugh out loud. Golden markings of a golden ratio. How delightfully nerdy. Only me, she muttered, grinning crookedly at her own reflection. Such a thing would only happen to me. Hermione swallowed back her amusement, forcing herself into an emotionally detached state, analytical. She needed to learn more about the extent of this injury. Egritudo, she murmured, pointing her wand at her neck. The golden lines shone more brightly upon being struck with a spell, gleaming. Then the magic traveled, a tingly warmth that spread, and Hermione was petrified at what she witnessed. The light from the spell did not stop at her neck as she expected it to. Instead, it traveled all over her body, glowing from under her skin. It was traveling everywhere in a very specific, intricate way. It's in my blood, Hermione whispered, staring at her surreal reflection where convoluted lines shone across her body, pulsing with every beat of her heart. The broken time turner, the fragments of enchanted glass and charmed gold, it was in her bloodstream. Hermione waved her wand again, her fingers shaking as she ended the diagnostic spell. Oh no, she breathed, so close to the mirror that her breath fogged the surface. Oh fuck, 
Whatever Marope Gaunt had reduced the time turner to in her fit of wandless, passionate magic, it was now coursing through Hermione's veins. Therefore, it was saturating her entire body. She couldn't exactly get a new body, could she? Hermione counted to ten and closed her eyes. Remember your training. Don't panic. Breathe. Once her pulse had slowed to something less sporadic, she opened her eyes again. Focus. Nothing she did removed the scars. Hermione tried everything she could think of, and she had researched scar removal extensively. She'd once dreamed that she could rid Draco of his dark mark, that she could erase the lightning bolt scar from Harry's forehead, that she could vanish the word mudblood, which was crudely carved into her arm. Yet she had come to learn with a despairing clarity that powerful magic lingered. For once, Hermione Granger, brightest witch of her age, had been unable to figure something out. She couldn't remove the scar on her forearm in the past, and nothing she thought of now made the glimmering lines on her neck vanish either. She knew it was silly that this bothered her so much. Not being able to erase another scar, the shallow surface issue, should have been the least of her concerns. Who cared what she looked like? What did it matter if she had another permanent brand on her body? Barring the fact that these markings were incredibly suspicious, of course. Sighing, Hermione cast a concealment charm over her neck. It was a temporary solution to the problem. Concealment charms were effective, but not perfect. They had a sort of sheen to them that very apt wizards and witches could perceive. Not to mention the much larger issue, which was that they were a serious drain on magical energy. Hermione had tried to go a whole day with one over her forearm in her early days as an unspeakable. Consequently, she had nearly fallen asleep during one of Holloway's less enthralling lectures on how to properly clean a pen sieve. She lived with the word mudblood being visible after that. There were other ways of hiding scars. Hermione had once considered purchasing an enchanted ring, which essentially kept a specific kind of concealment charm cast, depending on the brand and how the wearer said it. But it was extremely expensive. That, and she had never been one to wear much jewelry. Hermione glanced down at the scar now, and decidedly cast another concealment charm. She immediately felt the drain on her magic, and knew that this was not something she could maintain. Hermione Granger may not have been the type to wear jewelry, but Hermione Smith was. She thought of the galleons waiting in her coat pocket, knowing that she would need to spend whatever it costs to purchase an item that would hide her flaws as soon as she could. It was extremely fortunate that she had the luxury. God bless Draco Malfoy. Yet the physical scar, which Marope Gaunt had graced her with, was not what threatened Hermione with a panic attack. It was how the magic could be affecting her internally that was scaring the piss out of her. Hermione shook her head and stepped away from the mirror. She cast a few more spells to see if she could divine anything else about what the annihilated time turner may be doing to her, but came up empty-handed. Her tests yielded no results. She seemed to be perfectly healthy. But for how long? Hermione's mind raced as she recalled all the specifics of Eloise Mintumble's case files. Had that witch's body been damaged while she was still in 1402? 
or had she not aged irreversibly until she was returned to her present? The details had been unclear. Was Hermione's entire being set to deteriorate unexpectedly at any moment? The stabilizing potion that she and Draco had prepared could not last indefinitely. Hermione took another long, steadying breath. There was no point in dwelling on that, because if that was going to happen, there was little she could do about it. The same was true for the time-turner magic coursing through her veins. If it was going to affect her in some fashion, she was powerless to stop it. She could hardly go to St. Mungo's for help and openly admit that she'd had a time-turner smashed into her neck. Besides, the year was 1950. Though she was not a healer, Hermione probably knew more advanced medical practices than the healers of the day. All right then, Hermione said out loud to herself, deciding not to waste another moment. She put her coat back on and rewrapped her scarf around her neck, hiding even the concealment charm and all evidence of glistening spirals that may or may not have been growing. She hoped not. She forced herself not to dwell on it. That would be a waste of her time and effort, and she had other things to concentrate on. Hermione had a plan half-concocted in her mind, and now that she had decided that her body was not in any immediate danger of falling apart, she would begin to put it into action. Tom Riddle would not kill and split his soul again for several years, at least as far as she knew. Hermione decided that this meant she could allow herself to take her time. If she was going to try and trick the cunning and powerful Tom Marvolo Riddle, a legilimens, then she was going to do this right. She was going to need to be someone worthy of grabbing his attention, and she was going to need to look and play the part flawlessly. After all of her occlumency training, Hermione knew that the best way to tell a convincing lie, short of being psychotic and truly believing a falsity herself, was to have it stem from some kernel of truth. She needed details, affluence, and connections. She needed a reason for being where she was, for doing what she planned to do. She needed a fake identity that was so flawlessly grounded in reality that no one, not even a legilimens, could sense that it was a lie. Hepzibah Smith was the solution to all of this.